Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Hi, Katie. Oh, hey, Keith. How are you? I'm great, right here in the same room. I know, it's weird. We haven't actually been together in the same room in a hot second. Sick children, international travel, et cetera, et cetera. Complications <laughs> ensue, but we are so happy to be back physically together. Yes. Um, because as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Miley Cyrus's Flowers blooms at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, debuting atop the list to become Cyrus's second number one. And how Bizarre Rap and Shakira's Bizarre Rap Music Sessions Volume 53 blasts onto the chart at number nine. Plus, SZA's SOS holds at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart for a sixth consecutive week, and we'll have all the details on why this is such a major deal in just a moment. Also on the show, the Oscar nominations are out, and we can now forever say Academy Award nominee, Rihanna. Yeah. We'll run down all the major music-related nominees along with the big winners of Announcement Morning. Plus, you might have seen this, Beyonce staged her first concert in ages in Dubai. What went down at the private invite-only event, and what might it mean for that imaginary tour we keep hearing about? We'll talk about that in a second. And with Miley Cyrus's Flowers at number one, we're wondering... Why has this single specifically blown up in such a big way? And what might it suggest that we'll hear on her upcoming album, Endless Summer Vacation? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute, too. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, let's do the chart chat. First up, Miley Cyrus scores her second number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart as her latest single, Flowers, debuts straight in atop the list. The song rang up 52.6 million streams, 33.5 million in radio airplay audience impressions, and just a wee 70,000 copies sold Mm -hmm. in the U.S. in the week ending January 19th, all according to Luminate. The song actually came out in the evening of January 12th, one day before Cyrus's ex-husband Liam Hemsworth's birthday. This hmm. is a fact that was... Coincidentally. Uh, coincidentally, <laughs> this was a fact that did not escape Hot 100 chart manager Gary Trust, who noted this in his story on Tuesday on Billboard.com. Also because Cyrus fans caused a lot of chatter online around this particular timing and also, you know, engaged in a lot of TikTokness around <laughs> this particular point, which may have further fueled interest in the song. It's so much hedging. It may allegedly. It may allegedly, possibly, <laughs> potentially. Um, While well, the arrival of Flowers keeps SZA's SOS at its number two high on the Hot 100, while Taylor Swift's former number one, Antihero, falls from number one to number three. I think Gary's on to something there, and the fans have definitely talked a lot about all the many, you know, connections to uh, Liam Hemsworth, the song may have. Right. Um, the most obvious one being that she talks about we built a house and then watched it burn because they literally had their house burned down in the Malibu fires from about five, six years ago. Right. Um, and so uh, people are connecting the dots. But I think that the interest in the song goes beyond the sort of gossip, et cetera, and uh, – Oh, by the way, another weird little connection with the song. Uh-huh. Uh, 
It doesn't sample or interpolate Bruno Mars's If I Was Your Man, but it almost feels like an answer song to that hit song. Because there's the line about flowers in it. He says, I should have bought you flowers. I should have held your hand. And the lyrics in Miley's song say, I can buy myself flowers. I can can hold hold my my own hand. hand. And so there's a lot of references that I should have taken you dancing. I I can take myself dancing. And so while the there aren't melodic similarities in the song. It's an answer song. It's an answer song. It feels like an answer song. There's a tradition of answer songs in pop music. Uh, Bruno does not at, at this point have any songwriting credit on the track. I feel like he would say he doesn't need one. I wonder if Miley called it Bruno been like, yo, so I have this song. Um, <laughs> all right, well, Cyrus ends a break of nine years, one month, and two weeks between Hot 100 number ones. That's the longest between leaders since Coldplay went 13 years, three months, and two weeks from Viva La Vida in 2008 to My Universe with BTS in 2021. Uh, Cyrus also adds her 11th top 10 on the Hot 100 and her first since her guest turn on the Kid Leroy's remix of Without You hit number eight in May of 2021. Flowers is Cyrus's first kind of proper single that went top 10 since Malibu hit number 10 in 2017. And thus, Flowers is her first top five hit since Wrecking Ball hit number one in late 2013. Flowers is the lead single from Cyrus's upcoming new studio album, Endless Summer Vacation, which is due out on March 10th on Columbia Records, and that is her first release for the label after a couple albums with RCA. One last thing, at least in terms of the chart fun, Flowers is also the most popular song in the world, (laughs) as it bows at number one on both the Billboard Global 200 and Global Excluding U.S. charts. Okay. Yeah, this is a huge. It, like this, we can't overstate. This is a huge, huge hit for Miley Cyrus. This seems this this feels like this is so much bigger than I think maybe anyone expected of this track. I think that's clear. Yes. Based upon now, Miley's track record on the charts is rather sort of like hit or miss. Yeah. Like sometimes a song like Wrecking Ball can just be like, whoa. Can come in like a wrecking ball. Yes. And then <laughs> and then sometimes songs that you kind of expect are going to take off, like say Midnight Sky or um, what was the track with Dua Lipa? Uh, oh, Prisoner. Prisoner. Yeah, both from Plastic Hearts. The last album that Miley put out, her rock album, those kind of on the surface seems like, okay, these are going to be huge hits. And then they didn't even go top 10. So it's like, you know, nothing is certain with Miley's releases. Totally. So that makes this all the more sort of impressive. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are are looking at the uh, response to it and wondering like why this song, at least that was my, uh, and this song is great, by the way. So this is not shots to the song. It's just like seeing some of the great things she's put out before that have just gone, you know, unnoticed or just like, you know, haven't even hit the top 10. It's it's wild to see this one um, just completely come in and shatter the competition like it has. Well, that said, yeah, Katie, why do you think this song is particularly clicking in such a huge way? I feel like what we talked about earlier with the personal connection, I think that people who are Miley Cyrus fans and Miley Cyrus watchers definitely picked up on all of these little details, personal details, how it ties to her longest relationship in the public eye, her ex-fiance, actually ex-husband, they were married, ex-husband Liam Hemsworth. Um, but, but I feel like most people don't care about I, that. I'm not. I, I, I've, 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 if you've listened to the show, I'm usually frequently not completely in tune with people's personal lives on this show. So I'm not intimately familiar with her relationship. And, and I don't think that. I didn't need that for the song. Some of the other people who've responded to this song, like huge names have responded to this song. Diane Keaton posted a video 
dancing to the song in her backyard. Gloria Gaynor talked about this song and how, like, congratulated Miley on it. Noted I Will Survive, uh, you know, triumphant singer from the 70s. Yes, and I think that I I Will Survive, you can definitely tie, like, or, you know, draw a line between those two songs, Flowers and I Will Survive. And so those people don't care about Liam Hemsworth and the divorce and the Bruno Mars response song and et cetera, no, et cetera. They don't care. To, they're connecting to the self-empowerment, independence, you know, is, love yourself theme. Yes, and it is a very powerful theme and a very universal theme. I would say most adults have had a breakup, lost a love, lo- you know, had an unrequited crush, whatever the thing is. They... They like they are now like in their head singing. I can love myself better than you can. You know. All right. Um, also, with that, it's, we didn't we haven't mentioned this yet, but um, the producers of the track are uh, Kid Harpoon and Tyler Johnson, who mm-hmm. also worked extensively on Harry Styles' most recent albums. Do you think that's playing into this as well? Kind of the sonic sound of the of the of the track. Yes, it fits in on the radio right away. And here's the moment where I bring up Coast for the first time in this podcast. Noted adult contemporary radio <laughs> listener Katie Atkinson. They started playing Flowers week one. AC. Which seems kind of well. That's, no, it does make sense. The sonic sonics of it. Yes, it does make sense, but it's unique. Like for instance, they're playing antihero on adult pop now, but they weren't now. at the beginning. Right. And flowers. I think they see somebody like Diane Keaton post about it. Right. That's probably the coast audience right, right. there. Me and Diane Keaton. <laughs> and you're in great company, Katie. <laughs> but I think that they they see the instant embrace and they realize, oh, we don't need to wait till this becomes a hit and, right. and top forty. We can just do this now. Like let's just do this thing. Also sonically it it fits. Like it, yes. it, it kind of works at top forty. And kind so of your works at AC. Point about Kid Harpoon, I mean they you know the Harry Styles songs um from his last album Harry's House have kind of created what radio sounds like right now and Miley's flowers fits in. Vibey pop. Exactly. Vibey melodic dance pop. Let's pop-ish. talk about the writers of the song too because uh Michael Pollock co-wrote uh Memories from Rune Five I'm not like uh, the world's biggest Maroon 5 stand, but Memories is an excellent song. Yeah. Like at, whenever I hear it on the radio, I stop and I listen to it. And it's another song that has a universal theme. Everyone has lost somebody in their life, a family member, a loved one, a friend. And it, so Michael Pollock is out here helping write these very universal songs. Um, and he also uh, co-wrote ba- uh, Beyonce's Pure Honey, Louis Capaldi's Forget Me, Justin Bieber's Ghost, and Miley's Prisoner with Dua Lipa. And then Gregory Hine also co-wrote it, um, who is written with Bieber, Shawn Mendes, MGK. Uh, to, all this to say, all the pieces of the puzzle have aligned here for Sometimes all the pieces don't hint. add up to a perfect puzzle, though, and it it's seems true. to have worked out here. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, okay, what do you think this bodes for Miley's album, Endless Summer Vacation? I think this bodes very well, <laughs> because if you look at her last two projects, we have Plastic Hearts, the very rock one. We have Younger Now, which housed Malibu, her last you know top 10 solo hit. Right. Uh, these were very specific like sonic directions. It was like Malibu, this is going to be my dreamy, folky, hippie, bohemian sort of vibe, right? Which Miley has that side. Plastic Hearts was going to be her... Must is my rock album. Rock. Then she declared it's my rock album. It was on our rock charts. This album, if we can tell by Flowers, feels like she's going for top 40 radio yep. and we're going back to maybe 
not quite bangers era because it's not hip hop sounding, but pop. I mean, it's pop. Summer top 40 vibey pop. And Wrecking Ball was on bangers, which was, uh, you know, a huge hit album for her and really established her as a non Hannah Montana, non Disney, just pop star. Right. And so I think she's basically going for that crown again. It's kind of like Beyonce, like, here, I'm going to make this dance album now. And all of a sudden you're going to play me on the radio again with Cuff It. Uh, Miley's coming back to the radio. She's coming for it. She's coming for it. Yeah. All right, next up on the chart chat, staying with the Hot 100, Bizarre Rap and Shakira's Bizarre Rap Music Sessions, Volume 53, charges on to the Hot 100 at number nine with 20.2 million streams, 7.9 million in airplay audience, and 9,000 sold in the week ending January 19th. That was its first full tracking week because the song actually came out on a weird, irregular schedule on January 11th. So it actually debuted on some of our smaller charts and not the Hot 100, a week ago. Yeah. Um, the latest edition of the DJ Producers series arrives as his first Hot 100 Top 10 after Bizarre Up Music Sessions Volume 52 with Quevedo hit number 79 in October and crowned the Billboard Global Excluding US and Billboard Global 200 charts for six and four weeks, respectively. Shakira scores her fifth Hot 100 Top 10 and her first since 2007. Her last Top 10 hit was Beautiful Liar with Beyonce, which hit number three that year. Shakira actually ends a 15-year and nine-month break between Top 10s, which is the longest outside of holiday songs since Elton John waited 23 years, 11 months, and two weeks between 1998 and 2022 when he returned to the top 10 with Cold Heart, the Pinal remix. And I guess we're just all up in people's personal lives this week because obviously Shakira's song (laughs) is all about her ex-husband, Gerard Piquet, probably Gerard, uh, who is a soccer star in Spain, and uh, Miley, you know, talking about Liam. And you know what? Messy messy lives make for great music, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, last up in the chart chat, on the Billboard 200 albums chart, Scissors SOS is number one for a sixth consecutive and total week, its entire chart run. The last album by a woman with six weeks atop the list was Adele's 30 a little over a year ago, which also spent its first six weeks on the chart at number one. And that had its last week at number one on the January 8th, 2022 dated chart. SOS has the most weeks at number one on the Billboard 200 among R&B and hip hop albums since Drake's Views notched 13 non-consecutive weeks at number one in 2016 and the most weeks at number one for just an R&B album since Usher's Confessions was tops for nine consecutive weeks in Non-consecutive weeks. Non-consecutive weeks. Uh, SOS, I have a lot more to say about this, and I'll run through it quickly. SOS has the most weeks at number one among R&B hip-hop or R&B albums by women since Mariah Carey's Daydream, which notched six non-consecutive weeks at number one in late 1995 and early 1996, and the last R&B hip-hop or R&B album by a woman to spend its first six weeks at number one was Janet Jackson's Janet, which we've talked about before on the show, but I'm just reminding everyone, Mm -hmm. which led the list for its first six weeks uh, back in 1993. Last thing I'll say about this, SOS is the first R&B album from any act, man, woman, group, whatever, to spend its first six weeks at number one since Janet. It's been that long since an R&B album debuted at number one and then spent six straight weeks at number one. And if SZA holds on for a seventh week, I'm going to have to do a lot more digging around for the archives. <laughs> Should we hit some quick news, Keith? Yes, please. To keep this short, we're going to stick to just the best original song nominations from this morning, Tuesday morning's Oscar nominations. Rihanna is now an Oscar nominee. 
She is nominated for Best Original Song for co-writing Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And Lady Gaga received her fourth Oscar nomination, her third in the Best Original Song category, for co-writing Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick. Now, those are the big names. A name I'm not going to tell you right now is Taylor Swift. Her, uh, <laughs> her Carolina did not get nominated after being shortlisted from where the crowd had sang. But the other two nominees, is that right? No, the other three, three nominees are This Is a Life, music by David Byrne, Ryan Lott, and Mitski, lyric by Lott and Byrne, and that is from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Natu Natu, which won the Golden Globe for Best Original Song from RRR. And Applause, which is music and lyric by Diane Warren. Uh, Friend from, of the podcast, Diane from Warren. From Tell It Like a Woman. By the way, the Rihanna track was also co-written by Ryan Coogler and Tim's, I believe. That's correct. Okay. And please head to Billboard.com for some other music nominees. Of course, we have Austin Butler nominated for playing Elvis in the Best Actor category. But of course, we also have all the Best Original Score nominees, including John Williams, who is now the oldest Oscar nominee of all time after being nominated for the Fablemans this how, morning. How old is John Williams? 90-something. I, I had to have asked you. While you're looking that up, uh-huh. I will say that the uh, leading contender at the Academy Awards this year is Everything, Everywhere, Everywhere all, all at, at once, once, with 11 nominations. Uh, the answer to your question is John Williams is 90 years old. Wow. A spry 90. All uh, right. In other news, we have to talk about Beyonce's insane private concert this past weekend. She was reportedly, this is not confirmed by Billboard, paid anywhere between $24 million and $35 million, <laughs> depending <laughs> on who you ask, sure. to put on a nearly 75-minute show to open the new Atlantis Hotel in Dubai, a mixture of celebrities, journalists, influencers, and probably just super rich people. Super rich people. We're, we're in attendance to the invite-only event. We all would have liked to have been there, Beyonce. <laughs> she brought up her daughter, Blue Ivy, to duet on Brown Skin Girl. She covered uh, at a James's at last and notably didn't sing a darn thing from Renaissance, her most recent album. So hopefully she's saving that juice for maybe a Grammy performance, fingers crossed, or maybe just for the inevitable world tour. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Uh, there, she, she did get a bit of blowback on social media because she was performing in Dubai where I'm, I'm going to quote according to uh, the U.S. state uh, website, uh, consensual same-sex sexual relations are criminalized in UAE. Penalties may include fines and imprisonment under interpretations of Sharia law. The punishment could include the death penalty. However, One of the celebrities there was Rebel Wilson with her girlfriend staying so, in Atlantis. I will then add, State Department also says, although the U.S. Embassy and the U.S. Consulate General are not aware of any recent arrests or prosecutions for such activities, they remain illegal. By the way, cross-dressing is also a punishable offense, and there have been reports that the government action against cross-dressing individuals. Anyway. Um, sigh. Heavy sigh. So, and also she dedicated Renaissance to the queer community and specifically to her late uncle who was gay. But she didn't perform any of the songs from Renaissance. I that think, so. Was that her form of protest? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she's also, she's not the only person to perform uh, in Dubai. Madonna has performed there. Kylie Minogue performed oh, there yeah. for New Year's Eve. So this is not something unique to Beyonce. But And she's going to put that 24 to 35 million right back into that tour production, guys. <laughs> um, all right. I think it's time for our chart stat of the week, Keith. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the segue. All right. It's time for the chart stat of the week. It's Quiz Katie time. Oh, look at that. Uh, with Oscar nominations having been announced today, we're going to keep it Oscar focused. Katie, which of these previous nominees for Best Original Song 
did not chart Ooh. on the Billboard Hot 100. Okay, okay. We have, in no particular order, This Is Me from The Greatest Showman, written by Binge Pasek and Justin Paul, performed by Kiala Settle. We've had all of those people on the podcast. All friends of the podcast. <laughs> You'll Be In My Heart from Tarzan, mm. written and performed by Phil Collins. Be Alive from King Richard, written by Beyonce and Dixon, performed by Beyonce. Let the River Run from Working Girl, written and performed by Carly Simon. And The Rainbow Connection, written by Kinney, Asher, and Paul Williams, and performed by Kermit, voiced by Jim Henson. I'm not sure if you're trying to trick me, but I'm going to answer Be Alive by Beyonce. You are correct. Yeah, I am like on such a roll this year. You got it, oh Katie. Oh my gosh, I have not missed a thing this year. I kind of thought I well I knew you put that in there as like, oh well duh Beyonce charted, but having lived through the Be Alive and King mm-hmm. Richard release, I know that there wasn't like a real commercial push. There was no, you know, music video with Beyonce in it or anything. And then like she performed in the Oscars, but at that point it had been out for a long time. So that was my educated guess. Just uh, bask in the glory, Katie. <laughs> I shall. Um, I will tell you, though, so this is where everything peaked. This is me hit number 58 in 2018. It actually The song Lost to Remember Me from Coco. Uh, You'll Be in My Heart hit number 21 in 1999. It won the Oscar. Mm. Uh, be Alive uh, did, not did not chart. It lost to No Time to Die from the film of the same name. Billy and Phineas. Uh, Let the River Run, it won. And it peaked at number 49 in 1989. And The Rainbow Connection... It peaked at number 25 in 1979, and it lost to a song called It Goes Like It Goes from the film Norma Ray. I think we can all agree that was a bad choice. (laughs) You know, there's lots of curiosities and Oscar history. Indeed. Um, All right. We have reached the end of our big show, Katie. Any parting words? Oh, man. There's so much coming up, Keith. Like, uh, Grammys Grammys are a week from Sunday. Super Bowl, a.k.a. Rihanna's halftime show, is two weeks from Sunday. What is happening? What a time. After, and then a, obviously the Oscars in March. After a dry January, <laughs> things just all just explode. <laughs> Soaking wet February. <laughs> Soaking wet February. Um, what song should we go out on? <laughs> oh, I can't. I need to get it together. Um, uh, oh, gosh. I just said a lot of things. Um, maybe a Rihanna song? Should we go out a Rihanna song? Sure. Okay. Um, let's let's go out with Rude Boy. Love that song. Do you think she'll pull that out at halftime? I don't know. Rude Boy. Okay. See you guys next time. Bye. Come on, Rude Boy. Boy, can you get-